It's going very well, sir. How are you doing? Doing good. I got a, a new mic this week. Still not 100% pleased with it. The Yeti always sounded better than all of these other alternatives that I keep trying, but my workflow is just different this week, and I'll, I'll talk about that later. Yeah. But uh, how's it going? It's going well. Um, you know, baby is not here yet, but we're going to be hitting 40 weeks on Monday. Um, and we're trying to figure out what to do there, whether to be, you know, go for, you know, being induced or just to wait it out and see if baby's going to come on her own. But, you know, we're just hanging in there. Jenny's ready for baby to be out and she's craving Taco Bell a lot. So <laughs> it's plenty of Taco Bell. Oh, mate, you get some, but everything at Taco Bell is like the same five ingredients, just rearranged. It's like cheese, just and rearranged and tortilla and Doritos and Mountain Dew. Exactly. And if and generally the, the things on the menu are, do you want more beans and cheese? Uh, well, maybe you should go for a beefy five layer. Or if you want more more breading, maybe you go for a gordita crunch or something like that. It's just it, everything's a remix off yeah. of fake Mexican food. The, the names sound really enticing, though. Gordita, just that sounds mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't know what it is or how it works. I know it's it's like a taco burrito it, well, it has to be because that's all they sell. Yeah. <laughs> Remixes. But what's so interesting is how much food you can get for so little money. You yeah. know, you can get a $5 box that has a, a, a taco. It'll have a burrito of some sort and usually some other more exotic and bigger items such as a, you know, a chalupa or wh- whatever, you know. And then it still comes with a dessert and you get a drink. And like by the time tax is done, it's about six dollars. Like nice. that's incredibly cheap for how much food you're getting. And in my opinion, it tastes better than McDonald's. So that's my two cents. I'll talk about. I haven't eaten there in a good long while. It's just not part of my diet. But if I'm going to cheat and go for fast food, I would probably go Taco Bell. We have uh, we started getting dairy delivered to the house. So every Friday we get a couple gallons of milk and. And some cheese and eggs and just dairy stuff. But um, one of the things that they had on the menu was this locally um, this locally sourced pizza kit. And it comes mm-hmm. with some dough and pepperoni or whatever. The, I think it's pepperoni and some sauce. And you roll out the dough and then you, you cook the whole, you know, make the pizza and cook it. And um, my wife and my girls have been doing it. So, you know, I, I'm not seeing this, but apparently whenever they, they roll out the dough, they put handprints in it. And then they cover it with sauce and stuff. So I've been getting very, very loved <laughs> slices of pizza lately, but haven't been able to see it. But no, it tastes great. Oh, it, it just tastes fresh. The dough tastes good. It's just mm. better than if you ever try to make the pizza on your own, but you're using one of the pre-made crusts, they're they're not as good as this. Uh, they're always like drier. And this one's just very, very tasty. Just the flavors are good. And it's easy to make. Hmm. That's awesome, man. We don't have Milkman over here, but uh, <laughs> you know, we have a Walmart pretty close. <laughs> the milk is so good; like it's all whole milk, and it's like really, it's really good. Mm-hmm. But my my daughters are they're growing, and they go through a lot of milk, yeah, a lot of milk, and it just tastes better. Like I, I didn't realize how how much it, how good it tastes, but. I was looking at the prices and it's like $6 a gallon. So just uh, think about that for a few seconds. Yeah. I'm going through several gallons at $6 a gallon. And it's like, if my daughter doesn't drink the whole glass, I'm like, no, 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 it's 50 cents. You gotta drink that. <laughs> true. True. Now, how many gallons are y'all going through a week? About two and a half. About two and a half. And, That's a decent amount of burn rate. And the containers are like harder plastic than normal. And they have these, like these tilt handles and you rinse them out and you return, you put them out, you, you leave them out in your front yard or in the little box in the, on the porch whenever we're done with them every Friday. All right, man. I want to talk, talk to you a little bit about my microphone setup. Yes, let's talk about it. I'm insanely curious to learn more because we've talked a little bit and it sounds like you went with something a little bit smaller this go around. I want to hear what your plans are. Um, you know, are you planning on recording with a computer 
or, or what are you going for? So I'm recording with a little uh, lavalier, a little, like a little clip-on mic that uh, you would use if you were doing a presentation. And I'm, I'm going to try several, but this one was only like $15. So compared to my Blue Yeti, this was nothing. Um, it's aluminum, but it's, it's heavy. It, it doesn't feel cheap. So that was really nice. I appreciate that. I haven't found the best place to put it, but um, I'm trying to record using my phone or using an iPad or potentially the computer, but I want to be able to, to mix it up. The Blue Yeti was USB, and it would work on an iPad or an iPhone with dongles, but it required a lot of power, and I, I'm not quite sure how much or if it can even be powered by my iPad. So I need to do some tests with it. But, it, of course, it died two weeks ago, so it'll be a little while before I can get that one shipped back and, and repaired. But uh, until then, I'm going to try several little lavalier mics. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah. It'd be nice if you had something that was small enough that let you you know sit in your hammock and, and record the podcast. I've been thinking about that. Yeah. So in order to, to podcast from the hammock, I would have to use my iPhone or iPad. I would need to sit in the hammock. Hmm, this is this is sounding amazing. Um, I think I'm going to do that this summer. Whenever like it's in the 70s at night, I guess I'll try it. It's been in the 40s lately at Ooh. night. It's a little too chilly. I have to have blankets and stuff, but I want it to just be nice. And I want to go out there just right after sunset and uh, just record in the in the twilight. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Yeah. But I want something that has a noise reduction or doesn't pick up all of the dogs barking or you know, I want something like probably a condenser mic. Mm-hmm. So I need to do some more investigations. Um, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, that's the goal this summer is to try to podcast from the hammock. You want to talk about puppy? Uh, yeah, let's talk about your puppy. Yeah. So we're still planning to get the puppy. Um, it hasn't been born yet. We're aiming for August to October, somewhere in there. So my wife has been ordering all kinds of puppy related stuff on Amazon. Like too much stuff. <laughs> we just got a we got a dog bed. We got cages. We got a, like a puppy sling so that she can like carry the puppy under her arm like like it's in a like a purse or like a baby carrier mm-hmm. thing. Apparently, when we first get the puppy for the first couple weeks, we're not allowed to let the puppy walk outside. That we it can only go outside in areas that we like we vetted because of some disease or something. I don't know. There's all these rules that. Um, as first-time puppy owners, we are going by the book on everything. So second one will be like just like our second born. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be able to do everything. But the first one is like overprotected and, and helicopter. Yeah. We got these uh, little toy donuts, and they, they're like little dog chew toys. But my two-year-old thinks they're toy donuts. So she this morning she was cooking us breakfast with a little play kitchen, and all these dog toys are on the – on the plates and just we have this little soft dog bed and she'll like curl up and sit in it whenever she's watching something on TV or, or if she's sitting by the fireplace and it's, it's cute, but it's like, you can only sit in that for a couple more months and then the dog's going to kick you up. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be it's good. It's going to be good. Yep. 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 Once you have your, uh, your second dog, you're just going to kick that puppy outside, let her go play until she's tired and comes in and sleeps. We're trying to teach our dog how to. It sounds counterintuitive, but we're trying to teach her how to howl. How to howl? Yeah. Like security? No, just so she knows how to speak, and when she speaks, she barks. But we want, you know, we want to be all say, "Do do you a howl or, or go howl or something like that?" And her just go randomly start howling, you know, just because we can. Like we taught her to bark at this point, so we're just trying to teach her more tricks. She she knows roll over. I think. She knows something else. We're just trying to teach her tricks at this point. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any uh, any books or classes or YouTube videos that you're Not watching? Not really. Um, Jenny has you know, trained dogs herself for a little while. Um, and most of her dogs come out pretty good. Um, so it's just something that she's just done as a hobby. You know, just spending a lot of time with her puppies growing up. So she has a handle on it. So she just she just works with them a bit until they figure it out. We had a little date night the other night after the girls went to bed and we were watching an episode of, um, it was a show on Disney plus. It was about, um, dogs that are for the blind. So they, um, they're raised by 
Well, so, so they're born at the facility and then they're adopted for about a year and a half to two years mm -hmm. by a family. And they have have dog meetups every month and, and they just, they work on the dog and they, they train the dog for those first couple of years to, you know, listen and, and obey and, and sit and, and come, you know, all the things that you would normally teach a dog. But the, the goal is to train the dog so that they can give it to someone who's blind or hard of hard of sight. So they, they can be a, like a service dog or a guide dog. And I had no idea how much effort and how much work goes into, you know, getting these dogs. And I don't think that they are covered by insurance. So the, the, uh, the future owner will end up paying like 50,000 or something, some astronomical amount of money um, for this service animal. And I didn't realize that this service animal is going to save their mm -hmm. life. Like they will blindly walk out into traffic and the dog will uh, recognize if cars are coming and, and prevent the owner from getting, you know, hit by the car and, and walk around things in the street, prevent the owner from walking into things. And, and there's, and there's like little things too. Like the dog just can't go to the bathroom whenever it wants. It has to be on a schedule. Yeah. And these first couple of years when they're training the dog, they are going through all of these things to uh, prepare this dog for uh, these situations. And then once they've, they've been adopted and they've, they've passed that part of it, they are given this test. And if they pass all of these, these tests, they are uh, sent back to the facility where they're formally trained for about three months. If they fail the tests, they are uh, quote, career changed which is a nice way to say they're going to be adopted by a family or right. something they're they're not going to be service dogs but uh and yeah in like 60 percent, i think it was some I think it was like 60 percent of the the dogs that start the, the process are career changed oh wow i think That's that number's a right. high number yeah so you'll have a bunch of dogs and very few will actually make it but um, the ones that do make it are you know they're going to you know, be be patient but you know, but also lead the the, the owner. Um, they're not going to um, just give up and sit down in the middle of the street. They're going to you know keep going and they're goal focused and and just obedient and just really fascinating. But we watch this and then I'm like, okay, Megan's going to go get all the stuff and we're going to start training this dog from day one to do all <laughs> these things. So yeah, we'll I'll see you in a couple of months. We'll we'll see what. Uh, Yep. What's happening? I think she, she'll end up training me too. Like she'll be like giving me snacks and Shango do dishes. <laughs> like, Here's a treat. I like it. I love it. Yeah. Probably what's going to happen. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about scamming. Like the problem <laughs> that we have a lot in today's modern world of computers. But you were telling me that Jenny got scammed recently. Well, so it wasn't. It was. It was almost two years ago, and she wasn't exactly scammed. What happened was someone called her out of country, and was telling her that they were from Microsoft, and they found problems on her computer, and they were there to fix it. Um, and I can let the listener imagine how that went. You know, they we're going to talk more about some of the tactics that they use to you know convince you that your computer has problems and that they're fixing it. And so I walk in, I think I, I went to the grocery store or something. Jenny's on the phone, you know, on her computer and I go in there and she's basically repeating back what the person on the other end of the line is saying, you know, and she's like, okay, I press control R and what do I need to type in? And when I hear that, I'm like, huh, that doesn't sound good. I look over her shoulder no. and I see some of the stuff. And I, I I got a little, I don't know what you would call it. I don't know. I got heated. I got kind of heated. And I <laughs> asked Jenny to give me the phone. And I told the person on the other end that they were they were being a sack of crap. And they, they should not try and scam people and to never call back. And that was that. <laughs> so. Good. Now. Did she learn yes, her lesson? She was shocked when I said that because she was like, what are you doing? And I, had, I was like, Jennifer, that is a scam. Someone is about to install some sort of virus or something on their on your computer. And they, you thought they were helping them. You know, you, they thought, you know, I mean, no, you thought that they were helping you. And it's not. That's how they get you. You know, we were able to talk a little bit about social engineering. So 
Yeah. I have been going down this rabbit hole on YouTube watching these people called scam baiters. And basically they deliberately contact or get contacted by the scammer. And then they will try to waste as much time as they can or as much of the scammer's time as possible. And they will record their, you know, the, the funny parts and put them up on YouTube or, or stream them on Twitch. But yeah, I got into this, this whole world of scam baiting and I find it so fascinating. So a couple of years ago, I had a family member who was also contacted by one of these, these groups and he ended up calling me or he got a hold of me halfway through the scam and was telling me what the guy was doing. And I had, I, and I was aware of the scam, what they were doing. And I told him, you know, just unplug your, the ethernet cable from your computer right now and hang up. Um, the person on the other line had, had gotten his credit card number because he pops up, he opens up notepad. The scammer does and says, here, enter the things in this official form. And he just types in the word credit card colon. And he wants you to type in your credit card and then he'll type in expiration date colon. And it's like every part of this just makes me cringe, but I want to go through the steps of the scams and the types of scams. And I want everybody to just spread this news. Like every, everybody's family members, especially your older family members. That's the, the primary target is someone who is older. Who's not very familiar with the computer. They are making like I've seen one call center making $300,000 a month, Ooh. which uh, that's insane. That's just stealing money. Nothing is getting fixed. They're just scamming. And it's kind of like the mafia. It's just a mafia that only preys on like our older family members. And that's just frustrating to me. And then seeing and the tactics that they're using and the things that they're saying offend me because they're completely wrong. It's like, uh, what's a blinker fluid? That's what you would tell yep. someone if they don't know anything yep. about their car. It's what, what it sounds like whenever I hear them talking. But, um, so there's several of these scams and they've been in the news too, but there's one, there's like an IRS scam where they pretend that they're from the IRS and they say that you're going to be arrested. You have a warrant and you need to pay them in order to get all of this cleared. Um, there's another one where they say that they're Microsoft tech support and the phrases that they'll use are just wrong. And if you, if you are talking to them and you, slightly say the wrong thing, they will still agree with you and you can get them to say mm -hmm. all kinds of things and they'll just agree to everything. Just they they only want to make, get the money from you. And then there's a couple other scams, but those are the, the main ones I want to focus on is the Microsoft tech support. And then this, this refund uh, scam. So the call and they will say like your antivirus or your security software. Um, we're, we're shutting down that, part of the company and we're refunding everybody $400 or they'll, they'll come up with some crazy number that of course will you'll jump on. They will. So, so the goal for them is to tell you that you have, you're getting a refund to get you to let them remote into your computer to get them to transfer the money to you. But there's a typo. So instead of transferring $400 to you, they transfer $4,000. And then they, want, they, they say, oh, no, I transferred too much. I'm going to lose my job. I need you to send me the money back. <laughs> oh, I, I can't. We can't just transfer back with the bank. Um, I need you to go drive to Walgreens or Walmart or Best Buy or Target and buy Amazon gift cards or, or iTunes gift cards or GameStop gift cards. Read me those codes. And then we'll wow. be square. And <laughs> they will they will take anything. They're they're so desperate. It's just it's terrible. And the more I was listening to these guys, because I would listen to these on YouTube, these guys would do highlights where they would talk to a guy for six hours and they would condense it down into 30 minutes or so, or maybe an hour. And it's just the highlights of what happened during the call. But you know, there's some parts of it where the guy is very convincing and he's hitting me emotionally and I want to just give him money. But I, you know, I continue listening. And then at the end, the, the scam baiter will reveal what he's doing and that it's all fake. And then the, the scammers will start telling him the truth. Really? And you hear them admit to things and say things that are just terrible. Like they will say, you know, they just, uh, the, these, these 
older Americans are privileged and they want to make them poorer. Um, they, you know, they're, they're all fools and they, they just say all these things. And I'm thinking about my family members who were hit by this scam and they were trying to do what's right. Like they, they always have computer problems and this is Microsoft mm-hmm. calling and, and Microsoft is huge. Of course they, um, they can fix anything. And you know, the, all they want is my credit card number or, or a, a, maybe the gift card is a security card that you buy, but the, the, the tactics that they use, like the more you watch these things, you just mm. you cringe. But uh, they will they will remote into your computer, and then typically it's Windows, and they will type in. Well, first they will convince you to remote to your computer, and they will use TeamViewer or the, the, I don't know. There's like ten of these different remote desktop software packages. Most of the calls are coming from uh, parts of India. And so a lot of these remote desktop computer or software packages will pop up something saying that this could be a scam if they're detecting that you're connecting to somebody mm-hmm. in India. So they've become smarter. So now instead of you connecting, I'm sorry, instead of them connecting to you, they do a reverse. They have you connect to them and then you're not going to get the uh, banner saying that it's a scam. And then as soon as you connect to them, they have you hit a, uh, hit a button at the top that says reverse connection so that then they can control your computer. And if you're clever or if you're tech savvy, instead of actually flipping the, the connection, if you play dumb and, and act or say, like, you know, just read pieces of the screen and try to click on the wrong things and just don't listen to what they're saying, you're actually connected to their computer the entire time. And these guys, they're, they're not computer experts. They're reading from a script. So I've watched other YouTubers who will um, get the connection to their computer and then slowly infiltrate their network. And one guy went so far as to, um, he, he got the whole place shut down and raided by the police. But before he was able to do that, he got access to the security cameras in the, the, the call center he got access to the remote, the remote desktop computer, or sorry, the he got remote desktop ac- access to all the computers in the call center, and he would call them, and he would start the connection to them, but he would change his, his screen to purple or something, his background to purple. And then he would look on the webcams, and he would see that in station three, um, you know, one specific guy was, was talking to somebody with a purple screen. So he would, he started to ask them their names, and he would create this list of of who this person is and all the aliases that they say that they are on all of the calls. And he would start to build like little profiles about all of these scammers. He had a, a friend in India take a drone and he flew, they found out exactly where the call center was. It was on the top floor in the back behind a legitimate business, but a legitimate call center business, but it was in the back and you would cross like a, a path over the roof to get there. It was real cool. But that they took a drone and they do they flew over it and he had the webcam footage and they did all this stuff and it was super fascinating and that's what started one of the things that started me down this this rabbit hole of this whole scam world but uh, he ended up getting them all arrested and they were making just insane amount of money um, you know three hundred thousand to half a million dollars a month and everything's under the table. Uh, it's all done with gift cards and then everything's done in cash to all the, the call center employees. And the, the guy, the scammer that, that you're talking to is not going to make the money that he's charging. Mm-hmm. He gets a small fraction of it, but like this crime boss scam Lord guy that's running the whole center is going to be banking off everybody and he pressures them. And you know, it's, it's just a, every part of it's bad. The, the people willing, being willing to do it's bad. The, the fact that, uh, how the, the scam lord treats all of these people is bad. Um, how the they just constantly getting rejections on the phone because for every scam, there's a bajillion people who who called them out or yelled at them or hung up or you know we didn't fall for it. like you like you did whenever Jenny right um, was being called. Um, so these guys they have to have the thickest skin possible. I I couldn't I can never do this job. I would just <laughs> fix the yeah. But uh, some of the, the programs that they use. Um, they will have you type in, uh, they'll hit, have you hit the Windows key and R, which pops up a little run box. They'll have you type in Netstat. And Netstat will tell you all of the connections that your computer has. And 
the language that it uses, it says like a local address and foreign address. And foreign address just means what other computer or whatever, you know, server that you're talking to, they will have you. And there's like, there's always like 10 or 20 of these listed in that stat. And so whenever they're on the call, they will try to earn your trust and they will ask you to read or, you know, they will, they will look at specific things on the screen and mention them. And then they keep saying security. They say hackers. They say all of these, these buzzwords that make you trust them and make you, uh, I guess, I guess instill fear in you so that you will trust them. And in, in, in this specific app, Netstat, foreign address doesn't, it doesn't mean like it's another country or a hacker. It just means that it's the other other end of the connection that you're making. So if you have uh, an instant, if you have Slack open on your computer, Slack has foreign connections to all the Slack servers. If you have your web browser open, it has foreign connections to all the, you know, the website that you're looking at or the ads that are on it or everything. So they, they try to scare you, the Netstat. They have you type in event viewer. Event viewer typically only shows errors and warnings on Windows. And most of them, like you can have a brand new machine right out of the box, fresh copy of Windows. You open up Net, uh, Event Viewer, there's gonna be a ton of errors and warnings. And it's just normal. Well, they will open this up and filter it by errors and try to convince you that you're being hacked by all of these people. And they will read specific messages on there, which don't mean anything, but they'll try to spin it or say that it has something to do with a hacker. Um, they will type in msconfig, and then this will list all of the programs that start when you turn on your computer and all of the services. And by default, there's a lot of services that are disabled because you don't need your fax machine service on Windows to be enabled. You don't have a fax machine connected to it. If you did have one connected to it, Windows would enable the service. But by default, it's disabled, which makes sense. Well, they will open this thing up and say that you know, all these programs have been blocked by the hackers and uh, are... Would you, you can't get into these things. So again, they're trying to build your trust. And then the final thing that they do is they try to convince you that they need to, well, they might even just do it, but they type in syskey, S-Y-S-K-E-Y. And this will pop up a screen saying, type in an administrator password. And most of these computers will not have this set. And so they will just be able to, they can just type, they have a blank text box. They can just type in whatever password that they want but they will even try to convince you as the user that what they're doing is legitimate. So they will they will read off a password to you and say, write this down on paper. This is your Windows security key. They will type in something totally different, but they will make you think that they're typing in whatever they just read to you. So I might read to you Hunter 25, but in reality, I typed in Shane 123. So the user thinks they have the, the correct password, but it's a Microsoft security key, so they they have the trust. What this key, what, what this screen does, the next time that you reboot the computer, you cannot get in unless you type in the correct password. So if for some reason you you call them out on the scam or you, you say no, you're not going to buy those gift cards, they will say reboot your computer or they might even just reboot it on your behalf. And then they will say, oh, you're locked out. Um, the secure server at Microsoft has locked you out. You have to pay us to be able to unlock it. So it's just... <laughs> It's so sleazy, isn't it? It's just gross. It's so bad. And then then it gets they go to another step. So let's say that you fell for all these things. You looked at all these these event viewers, these warnings, and you believed that you were infiltrated. They will try to ask you what what do you do on the computer? And you will say, um, I don't know, I use Facebook and email. And then they will try to prompt you. And eventually they want to lead you to saying that you do online banking. So they'll start off with, you know, do, do you shop on here? Do you do your banking? Do you do, you know, do you shop? And they'll keep saying banking until you say banking. And then they'll say, oh, excellent. And then um, to, to remove all these hackers, we have three packages. The first package is $200. The second package is $500. And, and you can transfer it to one family member and it lasts a lifetime. And then the third package is unlimited devices on your network. You can transfer it to, you know, just all of these things. So they try to upsell you to this final package, which they're all bogus, but you, you end up picking, let's say that I picked the cheap one. They say, oh, excellent. Um, in order to for us to uh, securely transact the, the, the payment, 
we need you to um, to get a gift card. And then they, it's it's terrible. Like if you just listen to what they're saying, of course you're not going to go to the store and get a gift card, but people do. So they will. You go to the store. They will coach you on how to go to the store. You'll probably stay on the phone with them the entire time. They will say that whenever the cashier asks you what this is for, because the cashiers know that these are used in scams, especially when you're buying $4,000 worth of iTunes gift cards or $4,000 worth of Target gift cards, something's up. But um, they've coached them to say that this is for personal use because they're told the, the scammer will tell them that if they say it's for this scam or because it's for my computer, that the, the store will charge them an extra $1,000 or some made-up number. So just like levels of gullibility that have to stack in order for this scam to work. But Which is concerning, by the way. You would think that if you're going to a 7-Eleven to buy $4,000 worth of iTunes gift cards because some random dude yeah. called you and told you to do so, you'd think that there might be a problem. Well, and so that that comes back to the refund part. So in order to, to really get you to feel bad and go to the store, they will – They'll ask you, you know, do you do online banking? And you say yes. And so they tell you that these are the three prices or or maybe this is the refund scam. The refund one's the, the easiest one to use or to do. The refund scam, you tell them that, you know, if you're going to get $400 back, we just need you to uh, log into your bank and we will send the transaction over. You'll So what the customer will do is they'll open up their bank website. The, the scammer can do two things now. If the remote control program lets them black out the screen, they can black out the screen and say the Microsoft server, secure server is working on it. Just hold on a moment. While the screen is blacked out, the scammer will right click on the page in Google Chrome and say inspect element. They will point at the their account balance or maybe the first transaction. And if my first transaction was you know $30 to a barbecue place, they'll replace the, bar, the name barbecue place with Microsoft and then they'll replace $30 with 4000 or some number. And then they'll adjust your account balance at the top. And then whenever they reveal the screen, they might minimize this, but then they'll, they'll reveal the screen and then have you verify that you got your $400. You open up the page, you'll see that you got $4,000. Then they give you the sob story. Oh, this is a mistake on the server. I'm going to lose my job. Can, can you help me? And they always ask you, you know, are are you going to give me my money back or are you that they're trying to get you to say yes i'm going to help you and then they're able to continue with their script but if the remote control program doesn't allow them to black out the screen they might just like hit command minus or control minus and shrink the size of the page so it's like 25 percent of the screen and then they're like they open up event view or the uh uh, inspector in front of the customer, but they think it's code because you you look at HTML and you know anybody savvy would see that they're just changing the numbers right there. But I, I guess some of these people just glaze over it. And then once they're done, they will ex, you know resize the the screen back to one hundred percent so that you see these changes. The whole thing is just terrible. And if you do anything to mess them up, they can always hang up. Like they there's nothing stopping them from just abandoning the call if you know you really catch them or you trick them but they have a lot of ways to try to convince you that um that you made the mistake and yeah. that you can help them fix it now that's just a question for you it's terrible but you if yeah one of these scammers called you i'm curious to know how you would react what would you do me oh i'm playing along big time um if i have the time i'm playing along so the way the scam baiters fight back, um, the good ones, well, almost all of the scam baiters will have a, you do everything in a virtual machine. If I spin up a parallel or a VMware a virtual machine, I can give them remote access with administrator and whatever they do, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I can hit reset and it all goes away. It doesn't actually affect my local machine. It's just affecting this, this fake one, this virtual machine. So the first thing I'm going to do is load a virtual machine up and let them remote into it. And then I'm going to ask them questions throughout the process, but try to, don't, don't try to immediately tell them that they're wrong. Just agree to what they're saying, but find contradictions in what they're saying and then subtly bring those up and just hear how they're trying to counter it. And again, the whole purpose of scam baiting is not to say um, you're wrong, you're, you're terrible, bye. 
It's to say, let me go get my checkbook. And you put your phone down and you go play your video game or your email or talk to your wife, whatever you want to do, play with the dog. Come back in five minutes and say, I found the checkbook. Oh, it's the wrong year. Let me check again. And just keep them on the phone the whole time. Just waste their time. So virtual machine, that's number one. Um, what the scam bidders also do is they will change their voice. They will have uh, that the scammers know that like a 20-year-old male is not going to fall for this. But a 77-year-old woman will probably fall for this. So they will change. They will use a voice changer to make it sound like they're an old grandma or uh, um, just an older person. And they will do like distortions on it to sound raspier. They will, uh, and then other scam baiters will have, they will go another step farther. Instead of actually giving them the bank, they will have a fake bank web app that they've created and skinned. And if you're, if you're like watching these, these guys on, on Twitch or on uh, YouTube streaming this stuff, the bank names and everything about it looks real, but if you read all the text, it's you know it's all bogus, but it's just funny because there's memes in there. Like the name of one of them was like Leroy Jenkins Financial, which is that's a World of Warcraft joke from 15, 20 years ago. There will be like um, Reddit themes in there. There'll just be funny things. Um, if you have the phrase AARP at the bottom, you know, there's all of these things you can add at the bottom as like upsells that the bank would normally put on the page that make it look more legitimate. But these, these scam bidders are great because while the scammer is in there trying to change the values of their account balance, they will hit the refresh button on the browser, which undoes all of those changes that they made. And they will just accidentally do that a couple of times just to waste more time and then play dumb like they didn't see the numbers change back. They will, um, I, I saw one of these fake banks that automatically times out after like five minutes so the scammer will take five minutes to try to modify the page to, to change the balance and then it times out automatically and they have to just keep doing this over and over again until they can try to, to get you on the screen or I'm sorry, to get the, the customer on the screen looking at it without it timing out. That sounds out. amazing. It's, I it's need so to get great. this YouTube channel from you because uh, I need to watch some of these. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Well, the, the other cool thing was Whenever they ask them to go drive to the ATM, they say, okay, or I'm sorry, not ATM, um, go to the store to get the gift cards. They'll say, okay, and they will open up like a Grand Theft Auto or like a racing simulator or something. They'll turn the volume up so you hear engines or you'll hear traffic, and they'll just drive around or drive around the block in the video game instead of actually like driving there. But all, all of the sounds and everything just is, makes it more authentic. And it's so good. Like with between like the voice changing and like the whole thing, it's like a show that you're watching, but it's like a good show. That's, like, that's awesome. You're sticking it to them. It's, it's fun. And the, the other neat thing is the scam baiters um, at the end of it. Like they, they try to confront the scammer and they tell them you need to be a good person. Like what you're doing, you're stealing from people. This is wrong. And the scammer will, you know, try to say something and try to prove that, they are making way more money than the streamer or, you know, they'll, they'll sell these things, but you can tell that it's hurting them a little bit. And so like, that's the final piece at the very end is to try to, to tell them what they did was wrong. It was all a waste, a waste of their time and it was deliberately wasting their time. And, uh, and then they let them go. But, Oh, it's, do, it's so fascinating once you start watching it. Well, at the, at the very end when they're telling them that they're, they're wrong, how many of them are receptive to that? Are any of them? Or are they all just end up hanging up and dialing the next number, you think? Man, I've seen a bunch. So the ones that actually make, make YouTube videos or become a YouTube video that goes viral, the, the, the scam on the other end is going to be very, is going to say things that are very uh, embarrassing or humiliating or just something scandalous. But like the, the, boring ones are the ones where they truly learn yeah. their lesson. Like those probably aren't posted online, but um, yeah, there's a full, a full range of it. And some of the, the coolest ones I've seen where you could tell that the scammer was new, but at the end of it, he was able to, he sweet changed his voice back to normal. And he asked the scammer to type in the same mm -hmm. commands that the scammer typed in on his computer. The scammer saw that in event viewer, his thing, his computer was full of stuff. 
he saw that in MS config, his services were stopped and he went silent. Like he didn't know what to say. He, and I'm assuming they just got this guy and like, you want to make some money, follow this script. You can rip off hmm. these entitled Americans. Yeah. And, uh, man. So, so good. You, you got to watch this. I will post the, the YouTube links in the, uh, in the show notes, but I think one of them was like Jim Browning. And then the, Another one was Kit Boda. I think. It what a world we live in that They're so these, uh, these scams exist and are actually profitable. No kidding. Like, uh, it's it's like the mafia, but it's they're preying on older people and they're using technology. But I like the mafia is worse. Like they're shaking you down and and you know confronting yeah. you physically in person and truly hurting you or you know doing things to family members and stuff. Like that's bad. That's really bad organized uh, crime. But this one, we can avoid it by just uh, spreading awareness. Like everybody that you know that could be mm-hmm. uh, acceptable. Well, I guess if Jenny was, then it, it, any age range can be acceptable, uh, susceptible to this. But just just let them know that, let everybody you care about know that the people are not going to call you and give you tech support. And if they do, don't take it. And also let them know that Shane or TJ or whoever, like you, you don't want to do tech support for them either. And the solution is for them not to use this desktop computer, not to use Windows, if they're just going to do email banking and and Twitter. Like if you're just doing simple tasks, like the people that are susceptible to this are, just get an iPad. Just get an iPad. Like the new iPads. Okay, let's okay. hear it. I, I have a little confession, TJ. Um, I got the uh, the 2020 really? 11 inch really? iPad Pro last week. Yes, so a lot of the things that I've been trying to pivot towards or experiment with over the last month or so have been leading towards this. So part of like the recording this podcast right now, I'm recording it on the iPad. I'm doing my show notes on the iPad. I am using keyboard and mouse. I have it hooked up to a screen. I got a. Uh, um, headphones and, and microphone all plugged into it. I'm multitasking. And when I'm using it, it feels just like a computer. It Like for the two, the two tasks that I'm doing right now, super focused. It, it, everything that I want to do, it can do. But I'm finding it can do more. It can print. It can run Microsoft Office. Mm-hmm. It can run two Word documents at the same time side by side. It can do record your podcast. It can do your email. It can do your calendars. It can do voice chat. It can do video games. It can do all of these things. You know what it can't do? It can't let a scammer remote into it yeah. and try to trick you by seeing errors and things. So if I give this to my family members, immediately they're not going to be scammed by this. Uh, they, I guess they could still be it scammed, would. but it, it would be a lot harder. Yeah. Element inspector tools don't have them on iOS. It's so good now with this iOS 13.4, I think. That's when they had a keyboard mouse. It is so good. I'm, I can select text. Like in the past, if I'm trying to do an edit a document, you get to that point where you're taking your sausage finger, mm-hmm. you're trying to like move mm-hmm. the cursor between two letters so you can erase one of them. You miss, or you have it pointed in the right spot. And when you let your finger go, it slips a little bit and it, you lose the location and you got to do it again or hit fat fingering the wrong buttons and just all that lack of precision that you have for editing text. You, it goes away when you have a cursor or a mouse and a, and a keyboard. Now I can, I can type at my full speed, backspace, move the mouse around, select text, drag it around, you know, everything you can do on your computer. I'm able to do now in this little... Uh, Word document. It, it It's awesome. The battery life is amazing. It lasts all day. The screen, the, the iPad Pro screens, TJ, they have everything in them. They got, they're like Retina. They got the, the 10-bit color. They've got P3. They've got like 600 nit, 500, I think it's 600 nit brightness. They got all of, all of the specs that you need, the color accuracy that you need. They got it all. But mm-hmm. the, the price points are starting to hit the laptops now. A, a fully decked out iPad Pro, the big one with the big keyboard, it's crazy you're running into like dollars yeah. You're definitely hitting MacBook prices now. But I can also get an iPad for three hundred dollars and have most of the same experience. Plug a keyboard mouse monitor into it, 
run the exact same software. Um, what I'm not going to get are things like extra speakers. That's one thing. Like the iPad Pro, if, if I crank the volume up in a room, I can fill the room with, with music. On my, my iPads that are not Pro, if I crank the volume up, it's only coming out of two speakers instead of four. And if your hand is covering it, if you have it in the wrong orientation, then you've muffled all of the sound completely. But with the iPad Pro, if I'm holding it in a weird position, my hand's only going to muffle at max two of the speakers and the other two automatically adjust and, and compensate. So, like, and that's another thing. Like, you get this laptop and you have Windows 7 on it and these scammers are connecting to your computer and they're doing stuff to it. You've oh, yeah. installed things over time. That thing is a mess. No wonder it, you you are accept, susceptible to having somebody from Microsoft fix it. Like things don't work like they used to, and you don't know how to reset Windows. And with an iPad, like I, I don't have that problem. Like you can worst case scenario, you go to the Apple most Store. Time, and you don't even do have the problem. You. But most of the time, like you you hit a button. No, it just. It, it just works. It's like a little appliance, but the battery is great. Now, you're right. So I did spec out oh, man. Anyway. You know, as, as we were talking about this. I maxed out a 12.9-inch iPad Pro with a keyboard and mouse. Um, it, it's, yes, 12.9. It's got cellular, one terabyte of space. Again, the 12.9-inch, so it's big old beautiful screen with the keyboard. Comes out to 2196 and 80 cents. So you've definitely hit like oh, oh, laptop pricing there. Well, my um, let's see, compared to the MacBook Pro 16 inch, I think that one's like 2,700. So you're not that that far away from a actually. So the lower end 16 inch MacBook Pro, actually, this is the one that I have is 2,400. So you're only 200 dollars short. Yeah, 200 dollars short. So you're just a couple hundred off it, but the specs, the specs on that base. Uh, 16-inch uh, MacBook Pro are still yeah. better than the iPad. Like, you're going to have more cores. You're going to have more memory. 16 gig by default. No, so yeah, the, the base model you're for this one is 512. You're going to have more space. Well, maybe not. Maybe not more storage space. Yeah. You will have you will have a lot of things. Now, so if you go yes. back to this, they have the new keyboard for the iPad. So the problem with keyboard cases for the iPad have always been um, the iPad's top-heavy. Everything is in the screen, the battery, everything. So all the weight is in the screen. On a laptop, your weight is in the bottom panel. So your, your keyboard, your battery, all that's on your lap. So if you tilt your screen back, the whole thing's not going to tip back on you. With an iPad, it's the opposite. The only way to fix that is to make the keyboard really heavy by filling it up with you know, steel or battery or just something to, right. to make, keep it, you know, make it heavier so that you can't tip it. And when you do that, now you're hitting the same weight as a laptop um, because the, you need that in order to compensate for that heavier laptop or uh, uh, screen. But the benefit, in, so let's say that you get a keyboard case and it's, it's real heavy. You get the, the, the new one um, where the base is, you know, the, the new, I think the new keyboard actually weighs more than the iPad. But uh, let's say that you get that. The, the cool thing about this, these new keyboards and these new cases for the new iPads, they're all magnetic if I want to take my iPad off the case, I just pull it off. If I want to stick it to the keyboard, I just stick it to it. So I can envision a world where I have one of these keyboards mm -hmm. in our office next to the printer. Megan comes in. She wants to type something. She has her iPad. She just snaps it to it. There's no pairing. It's all wired in because as soon as you touch it against the keyboard, it has three contacts on the back. They make a connection that powers the keyboard, does the backlighting, handles everything. She can do her typing. She can print. She can, when she's done, she just takes her iPad right off that case and takes it to the kitchen and does something or watches a video. It, it, the, the tablet goes with her. And based on her environment, she's able to modify or augment the tablet to, do, to work better in that environment. My laptop doesn't do that. When I take my laptop into the, the couch, which like with quarantine now, like you'll, a lot of people are working from home or they're trying to use their computer and then they want to go sit in a comfortable spot in the house, sitting in the you know, on the couch. Not. Sitting on the couch with the computer is not comfortable. Like I've tried it. You, you do this thing where like you lean back and you're like, 
put the computer really high on your stomach or your chest and you're trying to like reach your hands down and type, but you can't see your, the keys. And so you like, you look up and you tilt the, mo- the the screen to like light the keys so you can see them or, and you'll constantly turning, tilting it back. The computer's getting hot. It's heating up your, your chest. <laughs> you now you're starting to sweat because the, <laughs> the machine's real hot. So you, you move it, but you move it onto a pillow. The pillow blocks the airflow, the vents in the bottom of the, the laptop, it gets even hotter. The battery's drained now. You gotta plug it in. So now you're but the plug in's always on the wrong side that you're on. So the cable's reaching across you. And so you end up on the edge of the couch with the cable reach uh, you know across everything, twisting the laptop. It's super hot right now. There's fans can't breathe. You're at a weird angle and now your back hurts. Like we shouldn't be sitting on the couch using that just pop, pop it off of the keyboard the and you're good to go. You just uh yeah, you, you just have to admit to yourself, when I'm sitting on the couch, I'm not going to get into the zone and code, and, and I'm not going to build this, do this amazing, um, you know, get, get really into the zone and, and do this big project or something. I'm going to look at Reddit, read my email, just lightweight stuff. And if if you do get your laptop and you, you finally get to that spot on the couch, like if you're like me, most of the time you end up looking at the same news pages or the same dumb stuff that you know, you could have done on your tablet. You, you, you have all this hardware there on the couch, but you're not using it. Like I'm not uh, building a machine learning model and comparing, you know, all voter records <laughs> from the last 20 years and the state of Georgia. Like I'm not doing anything yeah. work related. I'm just right. flipping through Reddit. YouTube and Reddit. I'm watching scam videos yes, probably. Let's do our picks of the week. My pick of the week this week is an oldie, but a goodie, but also a newie at the same time. <laughs> um, <laughs> oldie, yep, but yep. a goodie. It's old and good because it is Halo okay. 2 for PC. And it is new because it was recently added to something called the Master Chief Collection, which is you know Microsoft's collection of all the older Halos that they're remastering and putting on, you know, with, with new graphics, new sound, all that stuff on, on PC. Um, it was released last night at 10 PM. I got a chance to play a little bit of classic Halo two, which was fun. Um, and man, it's, it, it, I miss games that weren't that complicated where you just had, you have a map and you have a gun and you respawn when you die, you know, um, they just made so much more sense compared to some of the yeah. games that are released today. And so it's just very nostalgic. So, <laughs> you know, go and go, go listen to some, uh, I don't know, Nickelback, Breaking Benjamin or something like that. Put on Halo 2, maybe wear some jorts or something and relive the 2000s. Get your Tamagotchi and uh, nice. No, that's awesome. I, um, I never played Halo 2. I played Halo 1 some, but I really got into Halo 3. That's when in college, I think it was like 2007, 2008-ish, we got Halo 3 and we got a big projector and we were we were loving it. But Halo Halo 2 was, it was on, on Xbox, Xbox 360. But Xbox 360 no, ended up having a, some basic backwards compatibility mostly for Halo 2. Because 360 came out in 2005, Halo 3 came out in 2007. Okay. So you had those two years where there was no Halo except for Halo 2. So they made sure that you could get it on the 360. All of my favorite games that I've been playing in the last, like, two years have all been games from, like, that era, from, like, 2000 to 2006. So I think I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're in high school in your early 20s, that whatever games that you're yeah. playing in that time frame are going to be your games also whatever music you're listening to during those time frame that's going to be the music you're going to listen to for the rest of your life so (laughs) whenever i go look at nick at night or the oldies channel the oldies radio channel i'm seeing stuff from 20 years ago that i like it's my nostalgia um but do the same thing with games but then i look at the new games that these these darn kids are playing they're playing the Fortnite. they got out yeah, I can't understand. All uh, that I, stuff. I, but, yeah, I really do believe music. that the music influences Full that circle. you, you know, you, you form in those, you know, high school twenties, they really do influence like pretty much the rest of your life. It's crazy, um, because I can think of music that I listened to back when I was sixteen, seventeen. Now you're right; I'm still listening to it, and you're also listening yeah. to it because your friends were listening to it. 
this the content of that specific song is not life changing. It's not the the best. It's not even the best song, but it's the song you listen to over and over again, and you memorized every word. And the two <laughs> times that you could karaoke it, or you could, you know, bring it up in a, a conversation, or yeah, it's what pays for all of that studying you do to try to learn. Um, uh, what was yeah. that? <laughs> one week by the, the bare naked ladies, like yep. Okay, did you see the? I've Unreal seen like three seconds of it. That's about it for PlayStation Five today. Okay, after the show, you and I are going to screen share. It We're does. It really thing. does. TJ, this looks real. I, I was playing like I'm just thinking about you playing Halo Two, and in Halo Two, the ground where you're running in the building is going to be flat. The walls are going to be flat. Oh, maybe yep. there's a barrel or a tire or a truck on the side. Okay. In this this demo, they're walking through a canyon of rocks, and there are billions of little particles and specks, and it looks like a real canyon. Like, if you go outside, there are – and you look at, like, one square foot of grass near your driveway – there is so much texture there. There's so much going on. And in the video game, if you're playing Halo, you look at the mm-hmm. same spot, you see some greenish blur, and it's repeated for the rest, you know, several square miles. Uh, this game, oh, oh my, I mean, this demo I watched, this looks real. Like, I, I don't even think I want to play the game. I just want to watch the movie because it feels like, like a movie. But I, I've also started wondering with if it, requires this much effort to try to create a world like I'm seeing in this demo, there's not going to be very many games. But when you, they were making Halo, you could spit up you know, a Halo game in just a couple of months. You just reuse a lot of textures, reuse a lot of stuff, and just make a new map. But if you're building yeah. up with this new demo that I saw, you can't do that. You have to... The computer has to generate it for you and have make it random, or you have to spend man years painstakingly trying to tweak everything to look real it's insane but uh we'll put a link to the video in the the notes as well all right man my pick of the week my daughters have my old ipad minis and my four-year-old has started to um realize that her her ipad runs out of power runs out of batteries what she calls it a lot and i guess the ipad's like eight years old now so it running out of power that makes sense. <laughs> it's had its plenty of cycles. And the iPad lasts probably like 30 minutes to an hour before it needs to be charged again. But she she tries to charge it and she grabs the lightning cable next to my, my bedstand or in my office and she will try to plug it into the bottom of an iPad. But as you know, four-year-olds cannot plug anything in flat. So she's either like digging it, scraping it against the aluminum on the bottom or like twisting it, forcing it in the, into the port and finally gets it in there but doesn't know that it's in there and just keep pushing or maybe she's missed the port and she's like scraping it between the case and the bottom of the ipad or maybe it's on the screen i don't know but plugging it in is difficult for her so i found these these they're like magnetic cables for for charging and it feels like the magsafe adapter from the old macbooks you have a tiny little uh, lightning port you plug in to the bottom of the phone or the iPad, and then it has like a, a round contact on the bottom. So it's, it's almost flush with the phone. It sticks out like a, I don't know, millimeters. And then the charge cables have magnets on them, and you just get them anywhere near the phone or the iPad and just jumps and snaps to it and starts charging it. And so I, I got a couple <laughs> packs of these cables, and then I got like 20 or 30 of the lightning tips and so i have on my desk here i have like seven test devices i have an oculus go uh, bluetooth headphones uh, airpods keyboard mouse and i have ipad and their ipads so i got like all these devices on my desk well i have these plugs plugged into or these little things plugged into all of them and i have two charge cables on my desk so if i need to charge something i just use the same cable on my USB-C stuff, my micro USB, my lightning, anything. And it just super simple. So I'm recommending these cables. They're really cheap too. They're like 10 or 20 bucks for a whole pack of like four or five cables. And 
And they also are lined with a couple fabric. dozen of the little tips. But uh, yeah, the- it's really cool. Oh, yeah, the good cables. Yeah, the cables have a light on the end. So if the cable's dangling behind your bedstand or on your desk or something, you know exactly where the end is. The magnets are strong. I can lift up a phone um, with the cable using, you know, with the magnets only yeah. holding it. Only $22.99. They look really good. I'm, I'm going to get myself some. They're, they look pretty sweet. Um, I've had one device that didn't work. And I don't know if it was software or what, but I will continue to investigate. But yes, almost sir. everything else I've tried works. Um, it's really cool. Hashtag the cowboy. I think it's the future. Good night.